I'm Aaron Gallo. I'm Marty Hogan. And I'm Eric Berry. And we're from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. And you're listening to another great Four Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. Hey, 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 it's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, Episode 73, Ranger Con coverage, G-Fest 2016, and Power Morphicon news, recorded on July 16th, 2016. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Eyed Radio Network. It's going to Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Truckee B47. Today's podcast is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a premium, free, 30-day, one-game-out trial, specifically for our listeners, at GameflyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH. Today, we have a guest co-host. He has been on a number of past episodes, and we are pleased to welcome back Steven Zurita of Hyperdrive Pictures on YouTube. Welcome back, Steven. Hey. Thanks. Good to be back. (laughs) <laughs> like nice to four for me yeah <laughs> yeah so steven you actually have an announcement later on in the show once we get past the news regarding power morphicon that's right it's coming up quick i know like less than a month <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm running out of time i'm trying to see how many power rangers episodes i can watch before then and then i don't have too many more episodes i can watch now so yeah <laughs> what's your viewing schedule like what are you watching right now I got that Legacy Helmet collection a while back, and I've just been watching through the entire series. Wow. Uh, and I'm towards the end of Ninja Storm right now. Uh, I was hoping to get to SPD before Morphicon, but that doesn't uh-huh. look like that'll happen. I'll be somewhere in the middle of Dino Thunder. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's kind of a big chore to like go through. Well, I, I don't say chore because it's fun. It's Power Rangers. <laughs> But that's like if you were to watch all of Star Trek from the beginning. Like, I have a friend that's doing that. And if you watch one a night, it would literally take you over two years to watch everything. And that's the same with Power Rangers, just because they're over 800 episodes at this point. It's It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, and that's my schedule, one a day. And yeah, it takes a long time, but I'm liking it. It's a, it's a, it's actually like really well integrated in my daily schedule. It's something I look forward to. I don't think I would enjoy it as much if I was like binge watching it. It's kind of fun, especially when there's a cliffhanger to wonder what's going to happen next. Because I haven't seen a lot of these seasons. I never watched Ninja Storm. This is my first watch through. So what do you think of uh, Ninja Storm so far? How far are you in? I am on disc five. So I guess I have about seven episodes to go. Uh, I really like it. They do some really cool things. Uh, I really like the episode I recently watched where Tori gets put into some alternate universe where the Power Rangers are the bad guys and Lothor yes. is the mayor and he's a good guy. And I thought that was really fun. And I got to give it credit. I used to brush these off as a kid and say, oh, this isn't Mighty Morphin. Where's the dinosaurs? <laughs> but no, I, I really like these seasons. It's fun. That's awesome. Out of all the ones you've seen so far through Mighty Morphin, through Ninja Storm, what's one season that really stands out for you as a particular favorite? Uh, It's kind of a cliche answer, but I skipped to RPM right when I got the helmet collection. Oh, nice. That it doesn't take place in the continuity. I said, okay, let's see what everybody's talking about. And I really like that. But also Time Force. And Mm -hmm. 
I've been done with both of those seasons for a while. And I think I like Time Force more just because the Sentai footage just kind of works better with the story, even though they were able to incorporate some goofy moments in RPM with, you know, why the Zords have eyes and why they do explosive <laughs> poses. Yeah. Uh, that's not even an issue in Time Force. It just flows so well together, I thought. So I really like that one. And nice. I, I recognize so many locations around L.A. watching that season. <laughs> Now that I'm in Ninja Storm, I'm sad because I don't, you know, every season here and on after is in New Zealand. So I can't recognize places I drive by anymore. So, oh, well. (laughs) Well, let's get to the news. Since our last episode, Power Morphicon has added even more guests to their schedule. Power Morphicon is August 12th through the 14th at the Pasadena Convention Center. First, they announced uh, Royce Huron, Miss Appleby from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers through Power Rangers Turbo. We also have Ron Roger, Captain Mitchell in Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. And I actually binge, speaking of binge watching, you mentioned binge watching earlier. <laughs> I actually binge watched Stranger Things. It's a new original series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I saw Ron Roger. He had a pretty significant part in one episode. Oh, well, okay. I'm going to tell everybody at work that because they've been talking about that show. Yeah, it's really awesome. I totally binged it. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Aronowitz, executive producer and prop master of Power Rangers SPD. I've talked with Greg several times over the years, and he's a really cool dude. Uh, last Power Morphicon, I finally was able to score one of those Drew Struzan SPD posters. So it should be fun. He should have a pretty big display like he did last time at PMC. We also have Christopher Cho, who was the voice of Dark Spectre in Power Rangers in Space, and he also played Nukas on Big Bad Beetleborgs and Beetleborgs Metallics. Michael Forrest, Prince Olympias in Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. He also has a Star Trek connection for those of you who are into Star Trek. He actually played Apollo in the original series. And then we also have Michi Yamoto, who was a suit actor on Big Bad Beetleborgs and Beetleborgs Metallics, and announced today the entire cast of Power Rangers Dino Supercharge. They will be at the show Saturday only. There will be two signing times, and apparently you can get your tickets at 8 a.m. on, I think it's the Friday or the Saturday, but check their website for details. Uh, We've got Brennan Mejia, James Davies, Yoshi Sadarso, Michael Tabor, Camille Hyde, Davey Santos, and Claire Blackwalder. That's a lot of guests, and the entire Dino Supercharge cast. That's crazy. Yeah, I I was hoping for a little bit more of the uh, maybe auxiliary rangers, but I know uh, the rest of them are in New Zealand. So, mm-hmm. hey, I'll I'll take what I can get. <laughs> it's actually really interesting now that Claire Blackwelder is going to be there and signing as a ranger because I just remembered a, a, a short story as you were mentioning their names. I think one of the last times I was on this podcast, you pointed out, oh, you ran into them at Anime Expo. You saw that there's that picture on Twitter or something. Yeah. And I, I kept my mouth shut about it then because I kind of read between the lines. But in that picture, we're all, you know, doing the Dino Charger ready pose. And then Claire's uh-huh. just kind of standing there smiling. Right before that picture happened, she actually put out her hand to do the Dino Charger ready because they had finished filming. <laughs> And then right before the picture snaps, she wait. No, 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 no. I'm not supposed to do that right now. <laughs> so I, I figured like, oh, she is. She is going to be a ranger, isn't she? And I just kept my mouth shut to be nice. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> now it's out in the open so I can tell that story. <laughs> yeah, that'll be really cool to see and meet all of them. I actually met Yoshi earlier this year and I know they're a great bunch of people. 
So Power Morphicon, <laughs> it yeah. is less than a month. You kind of told me a little bit of what this announcement is, but I don't know the whole thing. So just take it away. All right. So if you guys have checked out my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash hyperdrive picks. You might've seen a couple of my morphing videos. I'm a visual effects artist. So with this whole Power Rangers fandom I'm into, I've done a couple uh, really cool morphing videos that I'm really proud of. I'd call them show quality and I'll do tutorials on how to do them. But one thing that's always held me back is I don't have the suits. So, you know, we'll do the morph and I'll just overlay a PNG of a suit or the video just ends after the morph and, you know, you can't really do much else. But Power Morphicon's coming up. Everybody's going to be in suits. Everybody's (laughs) going to have morphers. Everybody's going to want to do these morphs. So I figure let's make a project that everybody we can get a bunch of people into. It'll be something really cool. I'll do all the effects. So basically it's going to be a big group morphing video. And what I'm looking for is is people who have suits, people who have morpher props that we can use because I only, you know, I only have about four or five of them myself. Right. Uh, and there's 20 something seasons now. So, you know, let's see what we can get. And if you have a suit, you can contribute. If you have that morpher, you can contribute. If you want to be one of the people that morphs into it, you can do that too. We'll figure it out. So the best way for us to figure it out is for you to email me at hyperdrivepictures at gmail.com. And that's all one word, lowercase. Mm -hmm. And in the subject line, just put PMC group morph. And then in the email, tell me what you want to contribute. If you want to be in it, if you want to just lend a morpher to us for a little bit, or if you want to be in it and you have your own morpher, or if you have your own suit, basically all that. And if you can include a picture of the suit, the morpher, or you being in it, or if you have like a video where you you did something similar, give me something like that. This is kind of like a very casual casting thing. They always say like, all right, attach a picture, (laughs) even if you're just going to be a background extra, we need a picture. But yeah, so that way I can start figuring out what seasons we have, what rangers we have, you know, if we have this morpher, but we don't have the suit to go with it. Okay, well, maybe we can't do that. But hey, we have this Dino Thunder morpher in suit. So okay, let's have a Dino Thunder ranger in there. And who do we want to act in it? Well, this person with the morpher wants to act in it. Okay, okay, she's going to be Yellow Ranger. And then, okay, well, this person doesn't want to be in it, but he wants to contribute his SPD morpher. And then we'll have the SPD suit that matches. Okay, perfect. So basically, I'm just going to coordinate it. And then via those emails, we'll talk back and forth. And I'm talking to Power Morphicon to try and figure out a time we can do this. I'd love to make it an official thing where it's, you know, like a group meeting at the show. Yeah. And then, you know, just to help it run smoother. And then, you know, we can meet up. It'll probably be in front of the convention center if it's not too crazy hot. But yeah, so we'll work out all those via the email as I keep hearing back from them and keep hearing back from you. And then I'll let everybody know what's going down when and we can have an awesome morphing video and we'll have suits to match. We'll do a big old pose at the end. And you know what? I'll even throw in a digital explosion. It'll it'll like my goal is... (laughs) My goal is to make it look like Forever Red, but I can't get like actual pyrotechnics. So we'll just right. do that big pose explosion digitally. But yeah, that would be really fun, I thought, for all the fans. And Eric, I'd love for you to be in it. Uh, oh, any, anyone listening? Uh, and I'm reaching out to a couple other people too. So yeah, let's make this happen, guys. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we'll put all the details on our show page when this episode comes out. We'll promote a little bit on our social media too. So I'm really excited about this. This sounds like a super fun. It's going to be a lot of work for you, but (laughs) (laughs) but it's, I know the end product's just going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too, because I've wanted to do something with suits for a long time. This is the place to do it. There are a ton of cosplayers and very accurate suits i think it's going to be awesome fingers crossed everything works (laughs) out i'm really looking forward to it and yeah and i i'm like 
I'm well aware it's going to take me a long time, but that's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm going to get to do morphs I haven't done before. I'll probably, you know, I'll probably do Mighty Morphin and Zeomorphs for sure. Everybody's going to want to do those, but I'd oh, love yeah. to get into some really crazy ones like Lightspeed Rescue and stuff. Oh, that would be incredible. If you have like Lightspeed Rescue jackets you want to contribute, you know, anything <laughs> like that. You could, you know, some seasons they have yeah, yeah. a uniform type thing going on. That's true. Any, that's- any of that stuff, let me know. A monster costume would be cool if we had a monster to morph against, you know? A monster's (laughs) going to come wreak havoc at Morphicon, and we're going to step up and stop him. I'm sure we'll see maybe like a Goldar or Rita or something that they can morph against. That'd be so cool. I've really enjoyed your morphing videos. And even though I'm not like a visual effects wizard or, or anything, I haven't really played a lot in After Effects, but I watched the Zeo one and wow, that's just a lot of steps. But the end product looks great. It really does. Thank you. Yeah, that one is uh, a lot of... I had to look at it frame by frame and say, okay, three frames in, this lightning star comes out, and then there's this radial <laughs> red flash, and then this grid appears, and then we have to make this displacement map to make the energy, and there's particles that feed into it in reverse. It's it's a lot, but I like <laughs> that kind of stuff. And it's crazy to think they did all these effects back when computer graphics were still really taken off Mm -hmm. in the beginning and you know a lot of like the earlier ones i know they've done like they did a lot of like rotoscoping and actual film element type of effects sometimes i prefer the older morphs just because of technically how they were able to achieve those effects versus now sometimes it can just be a cgi mess Mm -hmm. that would be cool if you could even like replicate if someone had dino charge you could do the crazy 3d dino head yeah Yeah. that would be cool all right so everyone email steven and we'll have all those details on our show page now we're actually going to do something a little bit different before we get into our con coverage of G-Fest 2016, which was last weekend. It's the Big Godzilla Fest, and they actually had some Ultraman guests as well. So I wanted to ask Ranger Nation if you have ever watched Godzilla or Ultraman, and do you enjoy them? And since you're on the show, Stephen, I wanted to ask you, are you a Godzilla fan? Have you watched Ultraman? Love Godzilla. Got about five of the Japanese movies here. Uh, actually, here in the room, actually. Nice. Uh, I, I used to watch them on tape in the 90s. I had a like a box set of a couple of them. And then when the new movie came out in 2014, I went back and bought a, a couple more of the Japanese ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been enjoying those. And then Ultraman, I've watched. They actually air it on over-the-air TV here. Oh, nice. I don't think with subtitles. So when I first moved here, <laughs> I would watch it and be like, I get the gist of what's going on. But <laughs> I, like, it's that same genre I love. But I, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would watch it. And actually, my roommate's dad, who was helping us all move in at the time, he comes into the room and looks at it and goes, I used to watch this show. Because it's been <laughs> on for so long. And, you oh, know, yeah. So many iterations, like Power Rangers. Or Super Sentai in Japan. Yeah, this is actually the 50th anniversary year of Ultraman. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's as old as Star Trek, which is crazy to me. So G-Fest, it was a ton of fun. They had the original Ultraman actor there. Crazy amount of guests. It was a lot of fun. Lots of people dressed up. And I was just surprised at the amount of older and younger fans that went to this convention. So getting into that, let's see what our listeners thought. On Twitter, Joshua Perry at RiderRanger335 said, I have seen some of the original Ultraman x and i'm watching orb so yeah i enjoy it i have never seen a godzilla film 
Oh, yeah. Ultraman Orb is actually airing right now, simulcast, on Crunchyroll. It premieres in Japan, and then like a couple hours later, it's on Crunchyroll, which is crazy to me. Burgundy Ranger at Burgundy Ranger on Twitter says, Are you kidding? I watched the original dubbed Ultraman when it was first on syndicated US TV. Holy cow. <laughs> That's, I uh, wonder how long ago that was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sean Sadrai at Sean Sadrai 2000 said, watch some Godzilla movies. They are good. And I'm about to start watching Ultraman Orb. Jumby at Jambalaya 23 says, yes, I've watched Ultraman Ginga S and X, and I'm currently watching Orb and Mebius. The only Godzilla thing I've seen is the 2014 American movie, but I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. What'd you think of the 2014 Godzilla movie? Um, I, I I I did see it. I I was actually kind of disappointed in it because <laughs> it was a lot of uh, oh here they go they're about to fight news report two monsters yeah. fought in Hawaii <laughs> last night and I thought wow it would have been great to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I was really in the same boat. It was like they had the big airport fight, but mm-hmm. half of it was in darkness and you couldn't tell what was going on. And then they cut to the news report. And it's like wait what (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of give him credit because there's an amazing build-up to the fight too there's like tsunami and this giant thing and the dog's running away and then you see godzilla's foot and you think of the size of this whole creature and then to do all that and then cut away man (laughs) it was so but i'm actually looking forward to the the new one coming out in japan that should be fun same they haven't done one in over 10 years now. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's different. What's the same. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris Lee at Chris Lee 12 said started with Ginga. Bad idea. Skipped Ginga S and came back with X seen one episode of orb so far and I'm loving it. Actually, I mock Ginga, but there are some good things. The music and suit design was fantastic. It just needed a budget. The Ranger Talk at The Ranger Talk says, I remember the 1998 Godzilla movie being the first live-action movie that I remember seeing. I remember renting it with my dad and watching it at least 10 times, then re-renting it and re-watching it again. I saw Ultraman as a kid as well, and it creeped me out at first, and then I thought, eh, it's cool. Had a few figures. Can't wait for the next Godzilla movie. Maybe we'll see more Godzilla. The 98 Godzilla movie is totally panned at G-Fest. No one talks about it. If anyone mentions it, they're like, no, that's horrible. But I mean, we we all like what we like. I remember watching the 98 Godzilla uh, when it came out. I thought it was okay. I even had the soundtrack and it was kind of a awesome soundtrack. So yeah, I do remember it had a good soundtrack (laughs) and uh, I liked that movie too. After I've gone in and seen the Japanese ones, I can see why a lot of people don't because it is very different and they focus more on Matthew Broderick, but (laughs) I'll take the 98 Godzilla movie over the 2014 one though, because at least I get to see the monster a lot more. You know, there's a lot of him fighting the choppers and the submarine and you know i got the action i was looking for yeah i remember that godzilla movie uh here in america in 98 there was actually like a saturday morning cartoon that spawned after it i I remember that yeah i have that movie on dvd and as a bonus feature one or two of the episodes of that is on there oh nice that was a that was a fun treat (laughs) (laughs) uh joshua aaron moore at kentucky jam said love the godzilla franchise wrote a paper about the original film my sophomore year of college. 
Twitching Fool Zero says, never seen Ultraman, but I do want to get into it. I've seen a few Godzilla movies, but I've only liked a select few of them. Matthew Dickens at Lion 94 said, I've watched Godzilla and didn't really like it. Still don't like it to this day, but no hate on anyone who enjoys it. John at Tyranno John says, yep, I love Godzilla. I remember liking Ultraman as a kid. Haven't watched anything Ultraman in a long time, though. Wannabe Chaser at Shinkinred813 said, just started with Ultraman with Orb. Like it thus far. Got introduced via Ultraman Tiga dubs in the U.S. Solomon D at Solomon underscore D says, I saw that when I was a kid. I mostly remember being confused as to why the mouth movement never matched the words. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> oh dubs yeah <laughs> christopher evans at chris evans 17 said yes and yes love them both was a big ultraman fan as a kid had no idea it was ongoing like common writer or super sentai my dad introduced me to godzilla and i've gotten my son into it love old school man in suit kaiju Talisman of Torrance at Super Talisman CD says, I watched Tiga way back when it aired on Foxbox and started up again a few months ago. RJ Sills Uchahabro 77 at Anime Redneck 96 said, Seen Godzilla 2014, pretty good to me. Have tried to watch original Ultraman and Ultraman Nexus, have yet to finish. Engine Carrie Gator at Carrie Clan says, I grew up on Godzilla and I own the original Ultraman on DVD, slowly working through it. Also seen most of Ultraman X. Yeah, they've got like, uh, I think Shout Factory has like Ultra Q and Ultra 7 out on their DVD collection. So give that a shot. Machne Ryder said, I haven't seen Godzilla, but I've watched Ultraman X and I'm following Orb. I loved X and I'm really liking Orb so far. And moving on to Facebook, Robbie Eleanor said, Ultraman, yes. I loved it growing up. I first saw it on one of those Rangers magazines and got hooked. Never seen Godzilla, though, besides the Matthew Broderick one, but it had a wicked soundtrack, LOL. See? It did. <laughs> it did. I'm going to look that up after here. I, I, I haven't listened to that in a long time. I think I still have the physical CD. Wait, let me look up the track listing. Yeah, what <laughs> bands did they have on that? 98. Oh, I remember there was like a Puff Daddy song. Come with me. Oh, yeah, yeah there it is. is. <laughs> yeah. Rage right. Against the Machine. That makes The sense. Wallflowers, Jamiroquai, Ben Folds 5, Days of the New. Oh, Green Day's on this album. <laughs> yep. The Godzilla, Brain Stew, the Godzilla remix. Oh, wow. oh, man. That's the first one I'm listening to <laughs> after this. And you got to remember the Taco Bell commercials at the time, too. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was a great soundtrack. <laughs> and then finally, Tommy Brevard on Facebook said, I have Godzilla since I was a child, love Ultraman since Tiga and Cosmos. I want to thank you, Stephen, for being on the show. Always good to have you on. Thanks for having me, and thanks for helping me spread the word about this project. Absolutely. Now, if people do have questions about the project, where can they find you on social media? On social media, you can find me at Steven Zurita, S-T-E-V-E-N-Z-U-R-I-T-A, on Twitter, on Instagram, I think even Tumblr and Vine, if you want to even go that far. And then uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash hyperdrivepicks and youtube.com slash hyperdrivepicks. Those two usernames, Steven Zurita, hyperdrivepicks, that's across the board. You can reach me any of those. All right. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And it was good talking to you. And I'll see you at Power Morphicon.
It'll be in like what two, three weeks. I'll see you really I soon, know. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's kind of fast. <laughs> We've never met face to face, so I'm really looking forward to this. We missed each other last. Oh time. yeah. Yeah, that's right. So th- this will be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of friends. I think I'll be hanging out with friends more than Rangers for sure. Yeah. So it's going to be a blast. I'll see you All then. Right, see you later. For you, the listeners of Ranger Command Power Hour, Gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To get your free trial today, go to gameflyoffer.com slash rangercommandph. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH for your free 30-day trial. All right, guys, so we're going to get into the main topic, the focus of this episode, which is G-Fest 2016. G-Fest is the largest regular gathering of Godzilla and Japanese monster fans in the world. Held each summer, it typically attracts more than 2,000 attendees. G-Fest is a family-oriented convention, which caters to a wide variety of interests within the kaiju genre. G-Fest features presentations and Q&A sessions by actors and crew from the Japanese Godzilla films, fan presentations on topics of interest, contests and gaming, new and classic kaiju movies, and the Western world's largest kaiju-oriented dealer's room. This is actually the second G-Fest that I attended, Overall, this was the 23rd G-Fest. So they've been going for 23 years. Pretty crazy. Our first panel features special guest Akira Takarada. This is an interview with Akira Takarada, star of the original Godzilla, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Monster Zero, King Kong Escapes, and many others. The panel includes J.D. Lees, the founder of G-Fest, and Robert Scott Field. Actor Akira Takarada is one of the most recognizable actors associated with the Godzilla series, portraying Navy diver Hidido Ogata in the original Godzilla in 1954, and has appeared in numerous other Godzilla and Toho science fiction films to date. He is one of Toho's most distinguished and successful actors. Mr. Takarada is a celebrity in Japan, still making appearances in television dramas, quiz shows, and commercials. Here is a selection from his panel. The end of the war came, and you look back at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 280,000 people died instantly. Um, and then they had the Bikini Island tests after that. And then uh, I think, in a sense, Toho was very smart, or um, they were in the vibe of the time and understanding what people were, why they were hurting, and this is, I think, why this came to be. And even though it started in that uh, mood, uh, with the way it has um, expanded and grown, especially here in America, it's more than uh, a sad thing that started, it's now a very good thing, and I think that Godzilla is very healthy. Uh, now and for other people and for Godzilla and the world. Yes, I think that. Thank you very much. Um, as Takabata San mentioned, he was in the first Godzilla movie and the last one. And the time span there was 50 years. I'm wondering if he could compare the experience of filming the first one, the, 
the way the studio operated and, and the, the filming was taking place compared with how things were done 50 years later under Mr. Kitamura. Um, of course, because 50 years is, uh, is the difference between the two movies is 50 years, he thinks that the feeling of making the movie at the time was still the same. Uh, they still had enough people telling the next generation about why the first ones were made and stuff like that, but then the technology, of course, was different, so it was faster and easier to make. But maybe that is a good thing as well. Maybe that's why it continues on. The very first movie, of course, was black and white. There was no CG at all. Everything was handmade. Uh, there was a lot of details and, and a lot of time put into everything that was made. And so I think that was the the first example of something uh, for everybody to make a movie after that. Japanese spirit by wearing a kimono and things like that and took a lot of time 
to put on these things. She always had someone to help her uh, put on her clothes because uh, she wanted to show the real spirit of Japan. But it takes a long time to put on a kimono and things like that. One of these days, I hope to put a leash on her and bring her around with me. <laughs> The, the three people that he just mentioned passed away recently, so he's very sad about that. Yeah. Mr. Honda, the, the producer, Tanaga, Ifukube-san, a lot of these very good people have passed on to the next life. In the American Godzilla movie, they had a, a preview in uh, Japan. その時あの、映画俳優のあの、ジャンレンジャンレンジャンレンの日本に来て挨拶をいたしました。え、ジャンレンのが日本に来て挨拶をするって、行きましたらジャンレンのが、あ、ユースラライ。ジャンレンのフ
He was a very kind person as well. And when I, when Mr. Tavern personally was doing the musical Kiss Me Kate, uh, they did not have the full original score. And so Nick Adams, when he went back to the States, he found it in a bookstore somewhere, a music store, bought it and sent it, the whole score to him. So he's a very kind person. Good friend. A good friend. I guess I didn't have to translate that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to take up the whole time here, so before we get to audience questions, I wanted one last impression. What was it like working in Final Wars with Don Fry? <laughs> the first time I met him, I gave him a big hug, it was like an Iron Man. <laughs> In the ring, he was an animal, but in person, he was very friendly, very good gentleman. And he said to me that he liked sushi, so I found a really good sushi place, and I took him there a couple of times, and he was very happy with that. He's just asking if he's still alive. And he is. <laughs> you should bring Don back here too, yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, the very warm uh, applaud that you just gave, he thinks that uh, it, it has reached all the people who have been here in the past, who are now in, a, in heaven, uh, and he appreciates that very much. Thank you for it. I think we'll have Don Fry and Takarada San dive together, and Takarada San can say, you're still alive when he sees Was the original Godzilla costume from 1954 really brown? Because, of course, the movie was in black and white, and we've seen pictures, uh, but not colored pictures of the actual suit. And he saw it, but 60 years ago. Uh, actually, uh, uh, because of the black and white pictures, probably it's more of a color like his suit. He was a very uh, Apparently, uh, for demonstrations and uh, things like that, they did make something that was actually brown at one time, but it was more for demonstrations. Uh, at one time, uh, one of the suits was also stolen. They didn't have internet or anything at the time, so they made you know word of mouth. They just said that we won't take you to the cops. Give us our suit back. Whoever uh, stole it, put it in a box without a return address, and send it back to Tor. Yeah.
I'm, I'm very thankful now that uh, especially the fans these days understand the, uh, the, the problems and the fears of wars and things going on and, and think that you understand more of what Godzilla was originally made for. So we thank you for that. Thank you. I, I think uh, there's there's not a good about color movies and things like that, but I think that black and white really showed a lot of things that uh, they wanted to show at the time. It's, even though it was black and white, it's kind of like a Rembrandt painting in the sense that uh, there are a lot of different types of whites, a lot of different types of blacks, and they really um, expressed uh, the feeling of the time. Mr. Takarada had a cameo in Godzilla 2014, which was promised to the fans, and uh, but it did not appear in the final uh, picture. And uh, the question is, what are your thoughts about that? I know what mine are, but I can't say that. In polite company, so. About a half year before the movie you started, it was, there was an offer of having to do a cameo in the movie. If, if there's any way possible, even just one small part, we'd just like to put you in the movie. Is that okay? And uh, they sent me a script. It was just two little lines that I was saying. I was, I, I was working on the immigration. And then they were shooting in Vancouver, so I went to Vancouver. Apparently, my uh, scene was actually the very first scene of the first shooting of the movie. I was very nervous, and so was the staff. First of all, it was the very, very first scene we shot for the whole movie. They had a director's chair ribbon for me with my name on the back. It was pretty cool. All the staff has been really nice to me. It took about a half a day to film my part. Uh, 
um, until about a month before the movie was to come out, uh, he thought he was going to be in the movie. And then he got a, a, a phone call from a production agency and said, the movie is four hours long. They're going to have to cut some of that. Your whole scene is being cut out. We're so sorry. <laughs> he said, all I had to do is cut out a minute and a half of Ken Watanabe and put me back in. <laughs> And when they brought the movie to uh, Japan, of course, Darth Edwards came as well, and some of the other guys, and uh, the, the production agency who told me that I was going to be cut out came and apologized in person. あ、ありますから、それはよくわかりましたって、レンジで。he couldn't ignore that as well, and so he's very sorry and hopes I can do something in the future. Uh, and he sent back a letter saying that uh, I, I've been cut from a number of movies, so I understand the feeling. <laughs> あの、and to make matters even worse, uh, in the, when he did the scene in immigration, they made some uh, tailor-made clothes for him, so the immigration suit. And he said, well, um, I'd like to keep this as a souvenir, but I'll buy it for whatever it costs. And so I'll pay, okay, we'll take care of it, we'll take care of it. Even now, I have not received it. <laughs> あ、さ。楽しかった映画は山ほどありますけど、一番印象に残ってるのは苦しんで苦しんで苦しみ抜いて笑おうも掴むような思いで、それで出来上がった写真が映画が一番印象に残ってる。There's a lot of fun movies out there, and I've been in a lot of fun movies, but it's not the fun ones I really remember. It's the one where you have to sweat, you have to work hard, there's stress, there's a schedule that I meet, and working together, and then finally seeing the end result is something really good, and remember the pain that it took to get there. Those are the ones I really remember. If there is a chance that I will become, get into another Godzilla movie, the part that I would like to play is the part where I can look him straight in the eyes and we can communicate. That's a long time since you. 
What I would love to do that movie, maybe even in reality, is uh, Godzilla would come up and all of a sudden see Mr. Takarada and, and stop. And then I would look at Godzilla and stop. And we would look each other in the eye and I'd say, look, there's a lot of bad going on in the world right now. Would you go over those people who are bad and step all over them? <laughs> Um, he, one of the plans that he has is to actually get all the polit politicians in Japan or even in the world, get them in one room together. And I thought he was going to say smash it, but uh, he, he wants to get them all to look at the movie and really understand what's going on in the world now. Yes. Our second panel coverage features Satoshi Ben Furuya, the man who became Ultraman. Starting at Toho Studios in the early 1960s and appearing in numerous kaiju movies, Satoshi Ben Furuya would have never dreamed he'd become one of the most famous superheroes in the world. This panel features August Rogone, author of E.G. Tsuburaya, Master of Monsters, and Robert Scott Field. Ben Furuya is best known as the suit actor in the original Ultraman series. In the follow-up series, Ultra 7, Mr. Furuya stepped out of the suit, joining the Ultra Garrison as a regular cast member. He has also made appearances in the classic Toho films Gorath and Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. Mr. Furuya's most recent roles have been in Monster X Strikes Back, Attack the G8 Summit, and Mega Monster Battle, Ultra Galaxy Legends, the movie. Here is a selection from his panel. Furuya, I'm Bean Furuya from I'm Mr. Ultraman himself. I'm very happy that I was able to meet you again for these last two days have been very fun. Thank you so much. Four years ago was the first time I came to G-Fest and was with Mr. Takarada. From that first day on and even now, I remember those first feelings at the time and I was very moved by it. Thank you so much for that. Four years ago, you guys were all very young, and now you just kind of age a little. <laughs> I've aged a little too. <laughs> no, you look good. Give it up for Robert Scott Field. I'll be here all day. And I'm August Fregoni. 
Street. I'm August Rigoni, and uh, you know, I was uh, an Ultraman fan from the age of five years old. I had seen Godzilla movies, and the other kaiju movies, and movie theaters, and on TV, but it was Ultraman coming into my living room every day after school that rotted my brain and made me into the useless man I am now. Ultraman became not only an obsession, but it became a way of life. It's just very, uh, I'm very honored to be sitting next to Mr. Faria, who I have idolized before I even knew who was under the mask. Yeah, this is a pretty awesome thing. Please, a big round of applause for Mr. Faria. I loved movies. When I was this short, this uh, from the time I was a child, I loved movies. And I'm only going to tell you here, so you can't tell anybody else. But as a child, I, would, I was very small. I was able to sneak into the movie theater without paying. Wise Miller's Tarzan. So Wise Miller's Tarzan is one of the first movies I saw. Superman. And Superman, of course. Zero zero seven. James Bond. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah. 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 James Dean. Yeah. without a cause. I love that movie. <laughs> so uh, I, when I was a child, I was, um, I was in, introduced to these amazing movies, and I said as a child, right then, I'm going to be an actor one day. And now he is. Yeah. Let's give it up for that. So I'm very thankful because uh, the thing that made me want to become an actor was the, the education of watching these movies. It's because of the American movies that I saw. I became passionate to become an actor. I educated myself because of these movies. And my feelings, uh, even now, are the same, but that's, these are the things that I thank the American movies for helping me get to where I am. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. How were you uh, hired for, uh, to be an actor at Toho Studios? Toho there's a special school that they have, it's kind of a training school where they have uh, hopefuls uh, come there and they have tests and a contest type of thing and then when they in, run a few pass the tests, you become part of Toho and he passed the tests and won, won the contest and he became part of Toho. After he entered Toho, he had a lot of uh, small parts, what they call uh, background parts, or uh, in Japan they call it by players or by 
And uh, eventually, his first screen role was in 1960, where he had his name on the screen. And it was a prison break movie, directed by Jun Fukuda. <laughs> wow, you know a lot. Debut <laughs> Saki. That was my debut movie, yes. Oero, Natsuboku. Ah, The Howling Convicts. It doesn't translate directly across the English, so thank you. And, even though it's my debut, I was in a movie with some of the biggest stars that Toho had at the time. Lucky. 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 I was the, um, the boyfriend or the, the love interest of uh, Yuriko Hoshi. Godzilla vs. The Thing and Eater the Threaded Monster. I was very happy with that. <laughs> After that, he appeared in a number of uh, Toho uh, special effects movies, monster movies, usually in the background. In films like uh, Mothra, uh, as early as Mothra in 1961, he played a photographer for a newspaper called the Nito Shingun, which is the newspaper that Frankie Sakai uh, was the news writer for. So he was, uh, there's a lot of scenes in the movie where uh, you'll see Frankie Sakai, and in the background is Mr. Furia with a camera and a soft cap like this. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, when you become part of Toho, you pretty much have to do everything that they tell you to do. Them. So many little parts here and there, but I was actually in a lot of different kaiju movies, you know, the small parts, the bigger parts. Uh, and at the, at the time, the more parts you did, the more money you received. So I wanted to be in as many parts as he could. さん<笑> Uh, because he really looked up to Takarada, and at the time when he was in his beginning movies, Takarada was already a superstar. But because of Takarada, he is one reason why he wanted to become a movie star. He wanted to get as close as he possibly could to Takarada son in the movies. And so whenever the camera was angled at Takarada, you would see Bean Furia somewhere. So he was always too close to him sometimes, and so the assistant director would say, man, you're not supposed to stick out more than the star. Move back! <laughs> so at the time, in the day, he was the star and I was not, so we were not at the same level uh, in the different movies at that time. Uh, and it's, it's just, you can't believe that he's actually here in Chicago again, even the first time with Mr. Takarada, the guy that he looked up to all those years.
Yeah, as an actor, of course, you want your face to show in these different movies. So he was very happy with the part, and then he found out he was wearing a mask, and his, you know, little his feelings were a little bit there and wherever. But he says, "Well, if you don't do it, you're fired." Oh, okay. <laughs> so he was forced to become uh, two monsters against his will by Eiji Saburaya, who said, "Look, you have." Proper proportions, and you're tall. You can play these monsters. Most Japanese men have short legs, but all your arms and legs are proportionate. So he played two monsters. So, 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 so. Ah, they play men. Well, he looks back at it. He had many faces in the movies. There's a scene where a tentacle is in the moat near the Emperor's castle in in Tokyo. And this big long tendrils coming out, and a whole crowd rushes, and it's Hiroko Sakurai and Kenji Sahara rush to look at what's going on, and behind them is Mr. Furuya. He's staying close to the stars. That's what it's all about. He's always walking back and forth around the stars. So all that hard work led to Ultraman. So can you tell us how he became got the part for Ultraman? And of course, he thinks it was because he did work hard and did everything they said to do that they finally came. And then finally, the people look at him and says, "You are now the star." This story is, is Said, I'm a star, but I have to wear a mask and a funny suit. So I was a little bit disappointed at the beginning. And I said, I'm quitting. And I told Tsuburaya Sato himself, I said, I'm quitting as an actor. I'm quitting. If you don't get inside the suit, you're fired anyway. <laughs> and he's a lot stronger than I am, so. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. But then from there, lot, we, there were a lot of things that we had to go through to make that work. When he played Ultraman, Ultraman had a signature fighting pose. Uh, I think everybody who is a fan of Ultraman knows that Ultraman. You know, a lot of superheroes will stand tall, sort of have a pose like this, and Ultraman crouches, almost sort of like when as kids we were going, oh, it's kind of like judo. It's kind of a judo pose, but we could have been more wrong because we're looking at a Japanese thing and think and applying a Japanese label to it, thinking that oh, this is just a judo pose, but actually, Mr. Furuya said that. The pose came from a famous American actor. Can you tell us about that? Karate をやってたんです。Karate の方がウルトラマンの基本 
the first thing I want to say is that he, as a child, he did do karate. And there were a lot of poses that he brought in. So uh, basically, um, it would be like a karate pose, the, even the Ultraman uh, pose. And then part of the pose came from a particular actor, American actor. And at the time, I've never, I did karate as a kid, but I never did boxing, so I really don't know how to take on someone in the boxing pose. So, it says it's the, this, this pose is actually has the, is related to all of you as well. Something that I had a lot, a lot really influenced me. Probably all of you have been influenced by it as well. The pose from the, what's the name of the movie again? James Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, the Rebel Without a Cause. And there's a pose where he has a knife and he's looking really cool and like that. That's where I got it from. Your assignment, your homework, is to go watch Rebel Without a Cause and watch the fight scene, the knife fight scene at uh, Griffith Observatory. And uh, I think Dennis Hopper's in that scene too. Dennis Hopper was one of the actors in that film. But you know, James Dean is is going like this with the knife. And then once I read that from his book, you know, I went, oh, that's where it came from. I should have known. So uh, after he started working on the show. Uh, he got to work with uh, Haruo Nakajima, Mr. Godzilla. And uh, Mr. Nakajima played uh, four monsters uh, in, in the Ultraman series, but he was sort of also the uncredited uh, assistant fight choreographer training all the new suit actors. He would come in and, and coach them. And they had a very interesting relationship. And the first episode uh, with Mr. Nakajima and Mr. Freya fighting as Ultraman and a monster was the third episode of Ultraman. Where Nakajima is playing Naranga, and uh, he had some interesting stories about him and Mr. Nakajima. Nakajima First of all, uh, he's actually he's uh, my senpai, which means my senior uh, as far as age and as far as coming to the movie world. So he was a Toho, and he was my senior. He says, you guys all see him as a very kind person that writes autographs. <laughs> he was as scary, if not scarier, than Godzilla in the day. <laughs> and seeing that the guy played Godzilla and I was in another suit and he's going to take me on, I don't want to fight this guy. <laughs> and I was, a, I was at a disadvantage because the kaiju was really well padded. I had this really skin-tight uniform on, and so it didn't matter how much you punched him, he didn't hurt feel anything. But I felt a lot. <laughs> Ouch. 
And boy, that guy just comes out and he just punched me all the, as many times as often as he wanted to. <laughs> and next time he comes, please tell him to be gentle with me. <laughs> so who came up with the uh, poses for like the spacium ray or spacium causing no poses? Um, the director himself, myself as well, the cameraman and one other person, four of us inside the studio uh, who would uh, get together and decide what poses and then the beam would come out of the side of his hand uh, and the best angles to take it so that's why the cameraman was involved as well. So it was four of us who decided the poses. That's a question I don't think too many people have asked. And so in uh, completing Ultraman, there was, uh, towards the end of the series, what they were going to do is, in Japan, they do things in what they call a kuru, or kors. Kors comes from French meaning season. And back in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, they would film TV shows based on third blocks of 13. Uh, and so Ultraman is 39 episodes, which is three blocks of 13. And the network, while they were just starting to film the third kors, uh, the network, TBS, wanted uh, more episodes of Ultraman. They wanted another 13, which would have brought us to 52. And uh, A.T. Saburaya said, no, we're going to wrap it up. We're tired. The staff is tired. We worked really hard. And uh, we'll come up with a new plan. So I was wondering what his thoughts are on um, not only wrapping up the series, but also would he have wanted it to go another 13 weeks? And uh, the son of Tsuburaya came to me and said, uh, Can you do 13 more episodes? And at the time, uh, uh, Ultraman was on top of the world. They were an uh, average of 38% uh, in view rate and then over 40% many times. And so they were in the groove at that time. The TV programs, the sponsors, uh, the producer, everybody wanted to do 13 more. And of course, I said, yes, we can do 13 more. We'll do it. Okay, let's go for it. The special effects department wasn't able to keep up with it. And so the special effects director and the cameraman himself says there's no way we're going to be able to keep up with 13 more episodes. And so they were basically saying there's no way we can do it, and so the whole thing disappeared. He wanted to do it, but they weren't able to keep up with the special effects. I'm so sad. 
And after uh, Ultraman ended, TBS needed to keep an Ultra show on, so it was called the Ultra Hour. So what they did was uh, they went to a company called Toei Studios, and uh, Toei Studios decided they could make a TV show while Subriot Productions was able to regather their sources to produce the next Ultra series. And they did a space show called Captain Ultra, and it has no relation, it wasn't done by Super Eye Productions, it was only because the network said the title had to have Ultra in it. So it was a bridge between Ultraman and the next series, Ultra 7. And in Ultra 7, Mr. Faria actually had the benefit of, of them making amends for torturing him under the mask and suit by giving him an on-screen role as one of the main members of the Ultra Guard. Because the special effects were not able to keep up with it, they quit for a minute, but because the sponsors on the TV program wanted something, they did have toy and make 13 uh, episodes. And they were able to regroup and put it together, and that's where Seven came around, yes. They wanted to make something similar to Ultraman because they were still in the groove and still on top of things that Ultra 7 came to be. And again, they wanted to put Bean Furia inside the suit. He wasn't the main star, but he finally got his face on the screen as well, and that's one of the things he loved about it. Uh, they, uh, Mr. Narita is the guy who designed the first original stuff and they wanted to do the same thing, very cool looking for Ultra 7 and they had uh, designed it for him to be in it but he actually wasn't in it so they were a little bit sad about the whole thing, having designed the whole thing, yeah. The Ultra Guard in Ultra 7 had, you know, like gray or blue-gray uniforms so they were luckier than the people who played in the Science Patrol and Ultraman who wore safety orange. Fuji Akiko-tan が着てたオレンジと大分違う。いや、
the, the orange was not the new black at the time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep that between us, okay? We want to thank uh, Mr. Fumina for all his hard work. One, two, three, schwa. Okay, here we go. In panel three, we have Hiroku Sakurai, the Madonna of Ultra Q and Ultraman. Miss Sakurai began her career as a new actress at Toho Studios in the 60s and even starred in a singing group. She found overnight fame co-starring with Kenji Sahara in the television series Ultra Q and then an international following for Ultraman. This panel includes August Ragone, author of E.G. Tsuburaya, Master of Monsters, and Robert Scott Field. Hiroku Sakurai is an actress, producer, and author, long known to Ultraman fans as the popular character Science Patrol member Akiko Fuji. Her relationship with the Ultra Universe started with Ultra Q in 1966, and she has since played in many Ultraman television series and films, the latest being Superior Ultraman 8 Brothers. Miss Sakurai also authored three Ultraman-related books, including Akiko Fujiko's story, Secrets Behind the Filming of Ultraman, from 2006. Here are selections from her panel. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to G-Fest 2016. And it's the 50th anniversary of Ultraman. And we're lucky to have some great guests this year. You know their names. I don't have to introduce all of them, but tonight we have someone here who's appearing at G-Fest for the very first time. She not only played uh, the character of uh, Yuriko Erogawa in Ultra Q, but many Americans for generations, several generations between the 1960s, late 1960s, and late 1980s uh, know her best as uh, Akiko Fuji from Ultraman. Thank you for having me at G Fest. My first time to Chicago, my first time to G Fest, but really, thank you so much. And it's the 50th anniversary of those of the Ultraman, yes! え、50周年でここに初めて高田さんとフリアさんと3人東方のえ全員東方だったんですね。だからすごく嬉しいです。50th anniversary and Takurada Furia and myself together in Chicago at G-Fest. I'm very happy to be here. 
とは結構日本でもあのやらせていただいてるんですけど一人でやるのはこれが初めてなんです<笑>そう言って、uh, She's done many events all over Japan as well but this is actually the first time she's done it by herself そうですねあの昭和36年にあの東宝という会社であのニューフェイスを募集しててそれで応募して。受かって東方そうですねあの、東方は3人をあの売り出すのがすごく得意で,で、私もその中の1人で、スリーチャピンという形で笑ってたね。<笑> She said, Stop laughing <laughs> to me. But yeah,、um, uh, Toho is very good at taking a trio and making them into stars. And so that was their philosophy at the time. And so when she became part of it, there were two other girls that put, and made the three of them. So they were called the three chappies. In the three years, Well, okay.、Uh, th- three, three years in,、uh, having been there for three years,、uh, the Ultra Q、uh, auditions came and she、um, tried out for the Ultra Qs and she got the part. Uh, she had two auditions that she had to go to at the time. The oldest son of Suraya, Hajime, was there, and he looked at her and says, I want you to be in it. So that was nice, yeah. <laughs> and so she got the job. So she did Ultra Q, and Ultra Q started production, I believe, in 1964. It didn't air until January 2nd, 1966. So. I would like to ask, how long did it take to produce the 28 episodes of Ultra Q? Ultra Q was a very long time. It took a very long time, more than a year it took to make the 28 episodes. So, in Japan, Ultra Q was a very long time, but it was a very long time, and it was a very long time. So, 
Uh, you have to understand at the time, uh, no one really understood special effects. It's the first type of show on TV. It's the first thing for them as well. So the oldest son, Hajime, was also not sure what to go on. They all didn't know what to do, but they worked together and they put this whole thing together. So it did take a long time, but I think you like the results, huh? えっと、最初それ<笑><笑> だから、見習いました。で、3人で驚かなきゃなんないんだけど、そこが私が、あと、俺とだけで最初に出たシーンなので、どうやって驚いていいのかわからないで、サハラさんと西条さん見て、オッケー。で、ドゥワンエクスプレインザシーンウィ
uh, and she, the, the director says that right over here in this area, a kaiju will come up, but you don't know what kind of kaiju it is, what it's going to look like or anything. So you have to think, imagine exactly how you want to act. And so she was thinking one kaiju, and she acted towards it, and something else came out. She said, well, I may have been able to do that differently, maybe. Hmm. And the flower came out, yeah. And so it was totally different than what she thought it would be. So out of the 28 episodes of Alter Q that were produced, uh, does she have a favorite or favorites? Or any special memories of those? で、あの、なんだろう、芝居がやりやすかった。大きかったから、びっくりしましたね。あんなのは、あの、作ってセットに置いてあるのは初めてだったので。Yeah, uh, showed her all the different props and things like that. This is how the one should act and things like that. He was really in a good mood, so he showed me a lot of the things at the time. Yeah. Big camera and the big telephone. and It's very memorable for a lot of fans in Japan as well, that episode. Yeah, the big camera prop is, is still in the... Uh, at Tsuburaya right now, it's still there. So that's one of the props that they have left, yeah. It's in storage, but it's there. Are there any other episodes that she can think of that are, you know, favorite episodes? So this あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あ
あの撮影が3分の2ぐらいあの進んだところで円谷はじめさんがあの「次も君がやるんだよ」って言ったので私が。They were two thirds through、uh, Ultra Q and、uh, things were going really well. And so、uh, Hajime Tsuraya came up to her and says, You're going to do the next one too. And so it was just that simple. Yeah. And Ultra Q was all in black and white, and then the, the new one was in color, and so a lot of things had to come there. They took three days just to work out colors, lipstick,、uh, makeup, clothes, all the things to adjust to that. And so that was different. It took them three days to adjust to what they were going to do with the next one. And she was the only woman in the, in the show, so she became the, the, the Test is a mouse, is it a laboratory mouse? She became the, the sample for what was to come after that. So she was the first one that they tested this on. And、uh, her hair was jet black and long at the time, but、uh, when they were turning to color, they wanted her hair to be browner. And so she went to beauty salon twice to change her color to a browner color. So that was really hard for me to change my color. Oh, I had to pay for it myself. <laughs> What were the differences between? Uh, her experience working on Ultra Q, which took so long to, you know, they had a long time to make it, and then Ultraman, which was really a great next production schedule. Ultra Q, they, were not, they didn't have the exact schedule of when they would be showing the shows, and so they took a lot of time, and it did take a lot of time to do it anyway, but It took a lot of time to have it,、uh, to make it, but. But the, the ratings for Ultra Q were really good、uh, when, they had the show, when they did show the shows. So they, their process, they remembered it better. They were in a very, really good groove with Ultra Cure and learning as they went. And so they were really in the, they had the spirit of wanting to do more. And so it was faster for a lot of reasons. One of them was because they had learned a lot from Ultra Q. And they were all in the groove. They said, yeah, let's make some more, let's make some more. So the speed got faster. During Ultra Q, Eiji、uh, Tsuraya was always kind of frowning and worried about a lot of things going on, so we never really saw a smile out of him. And Ultra, but Ultra Q ended up having really good ratings, and so when it turned to Ultra Man, he was always smiling. <laughs> 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 
He was in Torah, about 22 episodes uh, during the next, going in ready for the next episode, they said to go skiing. Went skiing, fell down, broke his leg, and couldn't be in the series anymore. So that's why he disappeared. Now we know. Of course, yeah, he wanted to be in it, and then he couldn't, so of course he didn't feel too good about going skiing after that. And so uh, during the, the Ultra Q, they made her get smaller. And then also an Ultra Man, they make her and they get bigger. So they're trying to test me again, aren't they? <laughs> wow. you, you all remember the giant Fuji. I don't like getting smaller than bigger all the time. It's just, I don't understand. Now, since uh, Ultraman is supposed to be set in the future from 1966, anywhere between 10 and 20 years, they never really give you the solid date, but uh, Akiko Fuji was a character who was uh, the first lady of the Science Patrol. And so, uh, what does Ms. Sakurai feel that she was as progressive uh, feminine progressive as uh, maybe her character in Ultra Q, or which one was more progressive as a modern woman in Japan? あの、私自身はあの、ウルトラ級に出た時にはあの、東方という会社に入って3年目だったので、あの、新鮮でした。で、ウルトラマンはもうウルトラ級で慣れているので、そしてあとあのこういう対比をしているので、so in the Ultra Q, in her own opinion, is that the Ultra Q is a very beginning. This was more like she was kind of an amateur trying to learn the business and get into it. But where Suji, she was already a professional career woman. And so she's probably the future of あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あ
あのゆりちゃんの方が好きだっていう人とあいこたいのが好きだっていう人とあの2つにセパレートになりますね。But yeah, if you look at the era, they were both considered career women. And、uh, if you, people who have seen it, they look back at memories and talk about it, it's very clear of which one they like better. So, yeah, だけど両方とも私だけど。But both of them are me though. <laughs> yes!
のファンの人が、あのー、若い人から、あのー、年寄りの人まで、たくさんいるのに、あのー、非常に感動しております。Um, she's so happy that there's such a range from very small children up to、uh, older gentlemen, elderly people as well who love Ultraman. So I'm very thankful for that and I'm really moved by that. Thank you so much. ウルトラシリーズ、ウルトラマンが、あの、若い人たちに、どんどんどんどん、あの、引き継がれて、あの、もっともっと、私が死んでも、ウルトラマンは、この世にあるように、あの、それが希望なので、あの、若い人たちと一緒に仕事を、ウルトラの仕事をね、やれてることが、今、非常に幸せです。Uh, the thing I'm very ha- most happiest about right now is、uh, Tsuburaj Eiji. He worked very hard to get things done,、uh, create Ultraman series, and things have continued then. Now, what I'm very happy about is I get to work with younger people、uh, to, to keep it going. And so, whether I'm here or not, after I've passed on, I hope that it continues to、uh, influence and、uh, be an interest to younger generations so it continues on forever. That is my, that's why I'm the happiest right now working with those younger people. Yeah. I'm still here now. Maybe if you call me next year, I'll still be around two years from now. I don't know where I'll be, so you might want to call me again here soon. Yeah. <laughs> call me then. Bring me back. I'd love to come back again. Thank you. Most of these panels featured special guest August Rogone. August Rogone is one of the most authoritative historians of Japanese science fiction and fantasy films working in English and is the Rondo Award winning author of the highly lauded Eiji Superaya Master of Monsters, chronicling the life and career of the visual effects master. He has run for several publications, starting with the Japanese Fantasy Film Journal and the special features producer for Shout Factory's DVD releases of classic Gamera films and the Ultra series. You can follow August on his multi Rondo nominated blog, The Good, The Bad, and Godzilla, at augustregone.blogspot.com. So that does it for our G Fest 2016 coverage. I had a blast at this convention. It's a local con for me. It's good seeing friends, checking out the dealer's room, listening to all these great actors and getting able to meet them. It's a really great atmosphere with lots of young and old fans of Godzilla, Ultraman, and overall of the tokusatsu genre, including Super Sentai. So, Ranger Nation. Let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We are on social media on Twitter at rangercommandph. We're on Instagram and Facebook as rangercommandpowerhour, which is all one word. You can also find us on AskFM at rangercommandph to ask a question of the hosts. And that will do it for us this week. Again, want to thank Steven Zarita for joining us on the show today. Always good to have him on. We've got only a couple more episodes before Power Morphicon. That means we've got less than a month here 
So I hope you guys tune in and stay tuned and hope to see all of you at PNC. Bye, guys. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com slash rangercommandpowerhour. This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour, and you are listening to the Four Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks. <laughs>